Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. God loves children. God's people love children. We guard and we protect and we guide them. We have VBS to teach them. We know they're a precious heritage. We know they are a sincere responsibility. And when we lose them, our heart breaks. This is not the sermon I wrote. But it has to be the sermon given. Early service had a totally different worship service. A different message because life was different. You may not know Veda at all. You may not know Justin and Abby. You may not realize who she is when I say her name. If I remember right, Veda is the first one they adopted. And that family loves children, had their own, and they adopted more because they wanted to bring them up in a good place. And Mitch and Jerry Ann helped them. And Mitch is the most negative man I've ever met in my life. He's worried about everything. He's experienced some awful things in the past. And it's just another thing for him to use to get angry at God and himself. And I'm wondering why in the world would God let that happen? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that one. I don't have answers. I just know what we're supposed to do. It almost seems weird that we even continue this worship service. I mean, you come in here and you hear news like this, and you're like, why are we doing this? But that's the weird thing. In Scripture, worship is the answer to so many different things, things that you wouldn't expect it to be. So in 1 Peter, when, when these readers they're experiencing all this opposition from their culture, they're being beaten up and they're being persecuted in different ways across the culture. They're being insulted and they're being prejudiced against. And they, they cry out to Peter, give us some answer, give us something. We need a letter from you to give us some words to help us. And when he writes the letter, it's so odd. He writes starting with a worship service. He's sitting here answering these questions that are plaguing their daily life and they want a real concrete answer. And all that Peter does is, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't he great? I can see these readers going, Peter, we don't need a worship service. We need a word. And Peter says, no, that's just it. What you need is a worship service. 
to remember that God is God no matter what's going on around you. And no, you don't know the answers to things that are happening to you. You don't know why things are happening. You don't know why God would allow this. All those questions are always going around, but there's always some answers. And some of those answers is God is and you worship anyway. And so he starts with a worship service. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-6. through 6. When you're getting beaten up by the world and you want to give up your faith, the most important thing you can do on Sunday morning is get together with God's people. And then you've got Corinth, most selfish group of people in the world, and yet God calls them holy. And the first thing he does is he has a worship service. Gather around those of you who are like this, you like this guy, and you like this guy. Let's gather around. Let's praise God first. What? Why don't you jump in there and referee this fight? No, we need a worship service first. You've forgotten. You've forgotten who's in charge here and that God's present despite your bickering with each other. In Romans... Jews and Gentiles can't get together, and the first thing he does is has a worship service. So you come to church this morning, and you hear this little girl gets out of the house, falls in the swimming pool, and drowns. And we are a devastated church that's hurting and doesn't have words, doesn't know what to do. And we're like, well, how can we be here in worship? I remember this going to graduate school and the day the war started. If you're, I, many of you don't remember that when it was so, they had these reporters embedded in the war stuff and everybody wanted to sit around, what's going on with the war? How can we study Genesis when there's a war going on? And C.S. Lewis answers that. It's never more important to study the things of God when there's a war going on. And there's never a time more important for God's people, us, to get together and worship our God than in times like this when our heart's heavy and our hearts are broken. And that's what we do. Psalm 71. What's your nightmare, parents? What's your nightmare? When I ask that question, some people say, what are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Your mind goes weird on you, and you start thinking of all the bad things that could happen to your kids. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It wakes you up in the middle of the night with a sweat. Maybe you really did dream it. My most common one right now is car accidents. Plagues my mind all the time. The moment you gave birth to a child, you gave birth to these nightmares of these worst things that could happen that could just torment your soul. You know what they are? A house fire? Getting lost? Kidnapped? Drowning? The grace of God has been around me. I've always waken up and found out that it was my weird mind going overdrive. But some people don't wake up because it's real. And you, O oh Lord, do I take refuge, verse 1 of Psalm 71. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me. You are my rock and my fortress. That is who we call upon this morning. Maybe, maybe you've read this before and you think, rock, that doesn't mean much to me. Does it mean much to you tonight, this morning to know that he is your rock that you can cling to with your fingernails? 
Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and the cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O God, from my youth. Upon you I have learned from, leaned from, before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. It's you I've been taught from when I was a kid. One of the most important things you can do for your kids is bring them to church when the light is shining, when everything is good with the world, and you come and you feel good and you praise God because he's blessed you. But one of the most important lessons is you still come when things are dark. You still come then. Put the habit in their lives right now because they need it for when the, time, the lights go out and they go out on occasion, don't they? I've been as important to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of my old age. When I get older, be there for me then too. Forsake me not when my strength is spent, when I don't have what it takes to put another foot in front of another foot. Be there for me then too. My enemies speak concerning me for those who watch my life consult together and say God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him for there's none to deliver him. And so they plot to overtake the child of God. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But as for me, I will always have hope and I will praise you more and more. My mouth, no matter what's happening to me, will tell of your righteous acts. I will remember what you've done in the past and know that you can still do it today. Oh God, from my youth you've taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. Your righteousness, oh God, reaches to the highest heavens. You who have done great things, who's like you? You've made me see many troubles and calamities, yet you revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you'll bring me up again, and you will increase my greatness and comfort me again. We go to the Smoky Mountains with a group of young people for discipleship camp. One of the things that we're afraid of is kids getting lost in the woods somewhere. There's bears there, you know. And so we came up with this thing that we repeat after one another to be able to when you start hearing the leaders say this, you repeat it so that we stop and you hear it. And I want you to do it with me. I want you to repeat what I say. But as for me, I will always have hope. And I will praise you more and more. But as for me, I will always have hope. And I will praise you more and more. Now say it like you believe it. But as for me, I will always have hope. And I will praise you more and more. So when things are going great and you think everything is because of you, because you've got these great Midas touch, you know, everything you do turns to gold and, and, and you're healthy and all that stuff, don't remember to say, don't, don't, don't forget to say this. But as for me, I will always have hope. I can't hear you and I will praise you more and more. And then when things go south and when things go bad, remember to say the same thing because the same truth is still true then as when it was when things were going great. So say it again. But as for me, I will always have hope. And I will praise you more and more. That's what we believe as believers. And that's what we say. And that's what we remind each other. Going on in life and things may be great this week. Things may not be so great. But as for you, you will always have hope. You can praise Him more and more. Here's what I know that we do this morning. 
We don't have answers. As Paul said, you don't have that Paul. Paul Wallace said, you don't have words that can take away this pain. So don't search for them. There's not any words in our vocabulary that will reach in and take this away. So quit pressuring yourself for them. But I know that Isaiah, when he was struggling with this, or actually it was Hezekiah when he was struggling with this, Isaiah goes to him and tells him what to do, and he gets this letter of assault, this letter of Sennacherib, the Assyrian captain of the guard guy. The king comes in, and he's going to wipe them out, and he takes the letter, and he lays it out on the floor of the house of God, and he just gets on his knees, and he just prays. That's all he knows to do when he's in trouble. We don't have answers that will take away pain. We don't have any explanations for why stuff like this happens. You can go to church and you can hear a thousand sermons about this, but you'll never hear one single explanation that takes it away. But if it's a faithful church, you will have a church that knows how to pray about it. you got a couple of parents right now, we got a couple of parents right now going out of their minds with guilt and uncertainty. You've got grandparents feeling the same way. And they need us as a church to do what the church does, and that's rally around one another and provide them with that reminder. But as for them, they will always have hope, and they, they can praise Him more and more even in the midst of this stuff. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to lay it out before God right now. If you are a kneeler, and you don't feel like it draws undue attention to yourself, you may kneel over the next minute or two. If you're a bower, go ahead and bow. If you're a stander, stand. I don't care what you do over the next few minutes. We're not going to judge anything you do. If you want to hold up your hands because you feel like you're empty-handed and you're helpless and you don't know what to say, hold up your hands. I don't care what you do. We're going to lay this out among God's people like Hezekiah did, and we're going to pray to him. Make yourself comfortable. Let's pray together. God, we are a powerless people. We know our humanity and humility is not hard to find this morning. We could collect all the money in this room and not be able to do a cotton-picking thing about what happened. We could take all the spiritual maturity in this room and pile it all together and we can't make a resurrection happen. We can't compile enough words that would be able to provide a blanket of comfort that takes away all the pain of this couple and this grand, these grandparents and these siblings. We're reminded of our creatureness, our powerlessness, and we just have hearts that are overflowing with grief. Wishing with every fiber of our being we could do something about it but we can't except this to bow into your presence to the God of the resurrection to the God who is our hope to the God who is our strength to the God we worship every Sunday and most of the time it's easy most of the time it's pretty simple to do because things are so well and things are so 
just fine and we, we have no problem giving you praise and saying thank you. And, but sometimes it's not easy to do and this morning is one of them because our hearts are divided, to, quite honestly. We're, we're mindful of you. We know we're in your presence by invitation. But some of your family is hurting with a desperate existential pain it goes deep to the core of their soul and it rattles even, even the foundations of their faith and we pray that you hold it strong, that you give our strength through this prayer to them. May the strength that we can combine here together in this prayer be drifted over to them through your guidance and that provides a foundation that sustains them and when, before, before we can all see them. And then when we do, give us words and strength and presence not to hurt, not to explain, but to simply be present. This is an action, Father, that can shake the very foundation of faith of your people, and we know it. We know how vulnerable they are, and we know how risky and, and how dangerous this is, and we plead with all our, our power and all our maturity and all our strength. And Keep your promises. You will never leave nor forsake your people. Veda is in your hands and we trust you are taking care of her and that you're taking care of Mitch and Jerry Ann and all the feelings through their heads and the deep, deep pain that they're feeling. You are supporting them. Be their hope. As for them, they will always have hope and they can praise you more and more even in this. And For the parents, we pray for this to sustain them. Father, for all of us who can very easily, very easily just imagine what this is like, I pray that you give us a sense of compassion and comfort, the ability to be agents of, of help and comfort for you in this time. We do give you praise and we do say thank you and you are the one we're talking to now. And while we are so consumed with this right now, it's still you who receive the praise because we have nowhere else to go. We have nothing we can turn to that will do anything about this circumstance save you alone. You are God, our refuge, our rock, our redeemer. And when the earth shakes and the mountains quake and they fall in the heart of the sea, we will be still and know that no matter how things look, you are our God. We will be still. And we will know you are God. And we will trust in your wisdom. And even when we cannot see the reason behind your allowances, we will trust your heart. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Quote with me, if you would, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. 
my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you were to ask Hezekiah why he returned to God, he brought the nation back to God, he would say this, because only God can help in times like this. And if you've ever had times like this, you know exactly what Hezekiah means. If you have not had times like this, hold on. They will come. It will happen. And in those moments, the most important thing you can know is that you have that avenue already established with God that you can claim and that you can take advantage of. Only those who've decided to trust the sacrifice of Christ have the forgiveness of sins that comes when his blood is applied. But here's something else. Only those who've applied the blood of Jesus to their spiritual lives have this avenue of relationship and conversation like we just had. If I were to give you the reasons why you should be a Christian, I'm going to tell you this. Your salvation's not the only one. It's a big one. It's probably number one. But it's not just for the next life that Jesus makes the most sense. It's not just for the by and by one day after you die that you have a logical reason to become a Christian. One of the most fundamental is this. The only way to really survive this one is to have that relationship with God intact. I have full confidence this family is going to sustain themselves and they're going to be sustained and they're going to be back there on those pews where they belong and they're going to walk through this one step at a time. I have every reason and confidence that's true because they already have the foundation they can walk on. But if you don't, let me tell you, these things shatter your lives like nothing. Even the greatest of Christians with the strongest of faith find these times to be so trying and you just hang on barely. How can someone survive who has no relationship at all? My appeal to you this morning, this is not one of those feel-good sermons, sorry. And this is not one of those that just you walk out feeling great about your life. I don't know how to do that in days like this. I don't know. But I can still tell you this. No matter how bad things are, the best place you can be is with Christ. And if you don't have him, you can't be with him. And he can't sustain you like he wants to. And this morning, if Christ is not Lord of your life, if you don't have him to lean on and to stand upon as a foundation of faith and knowing his truth is true and that he's always present and never leaves or forsakes you, why would you leave this place? When it's available, why would you leave this place without a foundation like that? In coming months, if you talk to this couple and this these grandparents, if you talk to them in coming months, not today, not tomorrow, not next week, but in coming months, they're going to tell you their faith sustained them. They'll grow stronger through this. It will never be a welcome thing, but they will grow through this. That's only possible because of the foundation they've got. Do you have that? You see, the one thing between the house built on the sand and the, one, the house built on the rock, the one thing they have in common, storms come. That, that, that doesn't matter what your life is, storms come, and it's the test of the foundation. 
And if you want your foundation to stand, you've got to give attention to it before the storm comes. If you need to respond this morning, if you need to confess your sins, if you need to wash your sins away so you can claim Him as Lord, that can happen right here in this assembly. You can happen right now, and your foundation is established for you, and you've got a group of people who will lift up their hands like Moses did in the Valley of Rephidim, right? He lift up his hands, and as long as you've got people and you've got God to lift up your arms, there's nothing that can defeat you. That is only true for believers. If you need some foundation help today, don't call that number on the commercial. Come to God right now as we stand and sing to encourage you. Turn my heart, O Lord, like rivers of water. Turn my heart, O Lord, by your hand. Till my whole life flows in the river of your spirit and my name brings honor to the Lamb. Turn my heart, O Lord, like rivers of water. Turn my heart, O Lord, by your hand, till my whole life flows in the river of your Spirit, and my name brings honor to the land. Lord, I surrender to your work in me. I rest my life within your loving hands. Turn my heart. Of water. Turn my heart, O oh Lord, by your hand, till my whole life flows and my name brings honor to the Lamb. College folks, don't forget, 4 o'clock, St. Bernard's Village. Go by Andy's up a street to Wilkins, turn left, and then two blocks right. Or follow cars, there'll be some going that way. I've got to remind you of something that happened last week, and he's going to kill me, but you'll witness it and then he'll go to prison. Uh, Blake uh, Bristow went forward in absentia last week and he had some pretty powerful things to say and I hope that you've been praying for him. He's back today.